Hello there. Welcome back. Thank you for joining me in the second episode of Career Podcast with Audrey Prenzel. In episode one, I shared some overall mindsets and attitudes to consider well before you put in your release papers for the Canadian Armed Forces. Now I'm going to cover what comes next, thus this episode's title, Resumes for Military to Civilian Career Shift. First, I'm going to review the overall specs. Then we're going to get into the nitty-gritty that includes letterhead, marketing title, opening paragraph, keywords, work experience, education, tech, and the ending. I'll also cover what I refer to as the gray area. Sometimes there's content that makes sense to include, and sometimes it does not make sense. So I'll cover those iffy sections attendees at SCAN seminars often ask about. Again, SCAN seminars are the Canadian Armed Forces Second Career Assistant Network events. If you're an eager beaver and you're someone who thinks it's okay to skip that first podcast, I'm here to tell you you're wrong. Get out of here. Go back and listen to the first podcast called Five Must-Dos before you make the military to civilian career shift. You can't proceed with the nitty-gritty details of the resume strategy without having done your homework. If there's anyone in Canada you can trust on this one, it's me. So in order to get the most from this episode, I'm going to make a few assumptions. By this point, I'm going to assume you know what you want to do, at what level, where, and when. I'm also going to assume you've already got your LinkedIn profile loosely mapped out, you've been networking face-to-face as well as online, and you've started to research companies, nonprofits, or municipalities of interest. You should have all of your relevant military paperwork on hand. And you should have given serious consideration to your top three professional references. So if you're good to go, so am I. Let's roll. I want to start with the big picture. This goes for anyone, but in particular, if you've never had to prepare a resume, and I'll wager that you have not, I want you to know that overall, it's a marketing document. It's not a history fact sheet of everything that you've ever done, whether you are or were in the Army, Navy, or Air Force. It showcases only the best and only the most important facets of your military career. These are going to be carefully curated, relevant bits of your experience. And some of that could be from secondary duties, also qualifications and personal traits. All, all of these things must be in support of your target role. Please let this sink in. Marinate this for a while until you get it so that the rest of this process is so much easier. So, let's get into the overall specs of the resume. Is it a resume? Is it a CV? That's always a question I get. In English-speaking Canada, except Quebec, it's a resume. A CV, short for Curriculum Vitae, in English-speaking Canada is more for doctors or research scientists. 
Now, for those of you rocking and rolling in the English language within Quebec, then you use the term CV. But for the rest of Canada, and for the U.S. that matter, because we do have lots of Canadians applying to positions south of the border, it's a resume you need. Let's talk about the length. One to two pages maximum. Come on, three pages or more. The most I've seen anybody show me a resume to have a look at, 26 pages. Um, I had fun trying to tell them that, yeah, it should only be two. Use Microsoft Word. Yes, I know Google Drive is more efficient. I know people enjoy making resumes and PowerPoint or Pages or even Excel. Until there is some huge cataclysmic shift, it really doesn't matter whether you like Microsoft Word or not. It's what the business world and it's what governments use. So you use it too. That doesn't mean you can't save your document once complete and formatted as a PDF. In fact, a PDF is a great way to ensure the formatting does remain intact when you send it to people. But always start out in Word and have that ready. Now, while we're still talking about Word, save your documents as a dot docx, not a dot doc. I say this because some people either don't understand there's a difference or they don't think it matters. It does matter. The formatting will change when someone opens up the newest version of Word than when you send them a document in the oldest version. So pay attention to that detail. Another detail. Make sure your page is set up to U.S. letter size, better known as 8.5 by 11. More than once, I've heard of a Canadian Armed Forces member who was deployed overseas on a tour or some sort of humanitarian mission who worked on their resume during their downtime. They have a wonderfully formatted resume in Word using a page and printer set up in Europe, which is A4 size. And they have no idea why, when they get back to Canada, the formatting looks terrible as they print out their documents. The page sizes are different, so please keep that in mind, and it saves a lot of stress later on. Okay, now we're going to shift out of those specs and more into some content. And it makes sense to take it from the top. So let's talk about your letterhead. Overall, make sure it's the exact same content and format on all of your documents. So I'm talking about the resume and the cover letter and your professional references sheet. Bold and center your name. No one has to squint and look for it. Add some post nominals, your credentials. If you've got a degree or professional designation after your name, or you can add CD for Canadian decoration, which I know a lot of Canadian military members like to include. If you're relocating to a new city upon release, use your new home address. I'd steer away from using your current address. Honestly, anymore, you can just put your name and your phone number and your personal, not military, email address with remote work opportunities and the understanding that sometimes people like to commute, it's not always necessary anymore to include your home address. And some people just don't want to share that information. And that's okay. However, 
The only time I would suggest that it is critical is when you're applying for something that is not in the private sector, such as municipal or um, provincial government opportunities or something like police or fire, because in those cases, geography does matter. Because the job ad states you either have to live within a certain region or you have to give your home address as part of the application process. Still with the letterhead here, I would put in your LinkedIn URL. Now, you can customize them. We call them a vanity URL, kind of like your vanity license plate on your car. Um, Try and get your first name and your last name or your initial, something like that, or something very close to it. Each of these points I'm talking about, just so you know, are in tons of examples in my PDF book, Military to Civvy Street, the complete job transition guide for those leaving the RCAF, Army, and RCN. Okay, let's keep going here. Next point, you may wonder what I mean by a marketing title. Your marketing title goes right underneath that letterhead. This replaces that antiquated, air quote, coming at you here, (laughs) career objective, and air quote. (laughs) Instead of sucking up valuable real estate on the page with that career objective indicating what you want, which no one really cares what you want, turn the tables and market yourself in terms of what you're offering. So what do I mean? If you're going to cold call and send your documents out to places that don't even have jobs posted, which is always a smart thing to do, by the way, and you want to work in IT, you write, let's say you want to work in IT, but you happen to be bilingual, okay? You would write something like, bilingual IT candidate with 20 plus years of experience. If you're applying for a specific IT job where the job ad is listed as IT team lead, it's certainly smart to rejig that opening marketing title to IT team lead candidate. See what I did there? I simply popped the word candidate behind the official job ad title. I know there are many people who help veterans and members as they are in the process of releasing. Time and time again, though, I see the same generic titles such as professional overview or summary. These are meaningless. They don't add value. And they literally are in the exact space where it makes so much more sense to have what I'm referring to as a marketing title. Every resume example in my book has a marketing title in sync with the job target of every single resume. Okay, moving on. Opening summary. This is basically saying who you are and what you're offering to meet the needs of the employer. It's a brief overview. You're hitting the key highlights, key attributes. It is no more than seven lines of continuous text. And I'm talking size 10 font here. Just the most relevant, most critical, top-facing information. Next, you want to get a keyword section. You want to use industry-specific ones. You also want to make sure you hit hard and soft skills. These are two or three columns, and they're going to satisfy both human eyeballs and scanning software. 
They are the specific skills and traits that human resources, search firms, and the ultimate decision makers seek when combing through all of the candidate documents. A lot of people mistakenly think that keywords are hard-hitting action words like strategized or spearheaded. Keywords are not verbs. They are job-related nouns. When thoughtfully selected, they should relay your hard and soft skills for a specific job. Those hard-hitting action verbs like strategized are used to demonstrate what you've accomplished in your military experience, and that's more of something you're going to find in the job section. So here are some sample hard skill keywords. Network and data security. So obviously that's good for network security opportunities. Warehouse and inventory management. That's for logistics and supply chain. Program and curriculum development. That's ideal for education and training, isn't it? Multi-million dollar budget management. That's going to be good for a very senior operations gig. Let's look at some soft skill keywords. Confidentiality assurance. That's ideal for fields like finance, law, or healthcare. Cross-cultural communications. That's ideal for business, if not everywhere. Mental health awareness. Again, this is good for any role, but especially good for those working or intending to work in emergency response, social services, or healthcare. There's a lot to it, and it's important that you put the best possible keywords you can. Again, there are literally gobs of examples of keywords in context in every resume in my book, as well as I just simply have samples of keywords listed. Let's move on to the job, job title and the job. I just want to say that we do things reverse chronologically. You want your most recent job listed at the top. Do not use any acronyms. Spell everything out. You want to work backwards towards each previous job. The last job listed on your resume should be the actual first professional role you had. And I mention this because sometimes, it hasn't been very often, but people have sent me resumes to review, starting out with their first job in the Navy or Air Force, like dating back to 1990. That's the first thing I see. I have to go to the bottom of page three or four to find their current role. Length, obviously, that's another issue to tackle with these people. But for goodness sake, start with your most recent job first. Share your job duties extremely briefly. Cherry pick only what makes sense. Remove all acronyms and all proprietary military lingo. Let me give you an example here. I'm picking up, literally, you can hear it, it's huge, it's laminated, a sample resume that I hold up when I'm talking at SCAN seminars, those Second Career Assistance Network ones. And this one's from an infantry fellow. This person was a master corporal. His job title, and because I'm, I'm selecting infantry here because that's one of the more common ones. People say, Audrey, how does this translate? And this particular person wanted to 
uh, become a production associate in a manufacturing plant. So his job served the Canadian Army by training for and responding to enemy, enemy activity, honed the ability to operate in any conditions with limited resources, expertly operate, inspect, and maintain a wide, wide range of sophisticated devices and equipment for field communications, navigation, night vision surveillance, safety, and when needed, combat, guide and supervise 15 team members. So, you notice the avoidance of the core job specs and any notion of violence or shooting or worse? That's what I mean by cherry pick. Just select only what makes sense. We create value in our personal marketing material when we share our achievements. This is where you go back and you review the documentation you've collected and what other people have stated about your character and your work performance. We share these in bulleted formats after that brief job description that I've just shared with you. I talk about this in this previous episode, but it bears repeating here. Don't get caught up in the nitty gritty of the fine details of your work. Paint your job description with a broad stroke. Just give a general overview. Let me give you an example of how someone didn't have the right mindset. I was helping, this was a few years ago now. I was helping an extremely, extremely high-ranking Air Force officer. And when I asked him to tell me about what he was accountable for, literally, he started going into ridiculous details like, I go in every day and I check my email. I make sure the cleaners emptied the garbage pail the night before. Then I walk over and see what papers may have been faxed in overnight. What? This guy, fluent in three language, was accountable for budgets in the hundreds of millions of dollars. He was accountable for thousands of men and women, both military and civilian, nationwide. And he was central to the national military, federal government decisions. He was an absolute thought leader in his field, globally recognized. At first, I laughed. I, I thought he was just joking around, and he wasn't. He wasn't necessarily comfortable with me telling him either to get his head out of his butt and come back and see me when he was actually able to share what his accountabilities were and get rid of his low-level thinking. Uh, like most clients, he appreciated my take on it, and he actually thanked me. I say what other people are too afraid to say or lack the insight to say. So that was a high-level example. But let's go back to the sample that I talked about at the SCAN seminar, this resume. This is still our infantry guy, and he wants to work in manufacturing as a production associate. Let's look at what I would have put in the bulleted section of his resume, what I selected as achievements for him. First bullet, functions well in adverse weather conditions, confined spaces, and extreme heights. All true. What we're really saying here is that he works anywhere. That's pretty darn adaptable, right? Next bullet point, as a domestic response unit member, trained mentally, physically, and technically, for various aid to civil power situations, including natural disasters and terrorist attacks. What we're really saying is dude's a protector. 
He can look out for people. Here's another bullet. Constantly asked to translate between English and French for peers on base and while in the field. Leverage fluency for officers from NATO allied countries when deployed overseas. This guy happened to be bilingual, English and French. So we're using that as an achievement. Translation is always useful everywhere, and most people can't do it. This is marketable. This is a value add. So if you're someone usually born in Quebec and you're also fluent in English, or wherever you're from, it doesn't really matter. Leverage it. Don't assume that just because, you know, you've, you've always been bilingual, it's no big deal. It might be normal, natural to you, your family, your town, your neighborhood, your social circle. But in the grand scheme of things, no, most people are not bilingual. What about this for an achievement? Hold numerous secondary and volunteer duties, including fire warden, canteen committee chair, social committee rep, and United Way campaign canvasser. You wouldn't really think of this for someone in infantry, but what we're saying here is the guy takes time to do stuff he doesn't have to. He's thoughtful and he's kind. We're talking about charity here. We're talking about a social committee. You can't go wrong with that. So these are the secondary duties that I always encourage people. Have another look at. Make good use of them if it makes sense. What about this for an achievement? Participate in public relations, educational, and recruiting campaigns for the military at elementary, secondary schools, colleges, universities, malls, career fairs, and at Christmas cheer drives. Share industry knowledge and answer a myriad of questions for attendees. This is an infantry guy. Like, wow, what are we saying here? We're saying he has great interpersonal skills. We're saying he's going to speak to groups. He's okay doing that. And you know what? That's the number one thing most people fear. Do what other people can't, are unable, are too afraid to. What about including something like handle routine administration, such as correspondence, military memos, and incident reports? What we're saying is, dude can write. He can complete production reports or schedules or, you know, shift reports. I think it makes sense to look at your history, your work history, with a lens that allows you to use it in the capacity in which you want to be known. Okay, let's keep going. Let's look at education. Let's talk about listing your trades. It doesn't really matter what year you got them. Um, I'm not a fan, really, of listing years for any of your training. I find that that just sucks up a lot of time. If you have 20, 30, 40, 60 courses that you took through the military, you, I would not clog up space with, you know, the word training behind it, the year you took it, or the words Canadian Armed Forces behind it. Just list them. If you have 20, 40, 60, 80 courses that really don't have anything to do with what you want to do next, I wouldn't list them, but I would leverage them. How do you do that? Cherry pick your five or ten that do make sense, and then it's okay to say something like, plus an additional 50-plus further professional development courses spanning safety, logistics, fieldcraft, and aircraft maintenance. Something like that. It really makes me sad when someone tells me, Audrey, 
I've been in the military 10, 20, 30, 38 years. I don't have any education. I only have what I learned in the military. I don't know any other profession where you are more trained. And whether you need the list of the courses or not for a resume, for networking, for a LinkedIn profile, or just to tell somebody, I always tell people, get every single piece of paper as you're leaving, your PERs, your PDRs, your MPRR, because that is unequivocal in your face proof. You do have a plethora of training. Please do not tell me you have nothing. I only have my high school diploma. Well, that's right, Bob. But according to all of your documents that I'm looking at right here, you also took the time to get three fully qualified trades under your belt in the military. Oh, yeah. And also 60 further plus courses. Newsflash, civvies don't do that. So please do not undersell yourself. Of course, of course, of course, you have tons of education. And if there's something in particular that you're lacking for what you want to do when you get out, assuming you're already out, don't forget you have access to funds for retraining and upgrading through Veterans Affairs Canada. There's money for that. You might not need to start from ground zero. You don't necessarily need a degree. You might need four or five, just short-term, weekend, whatever, courses, professional development seminars, workshops. If you're still in and you're listening to this, and if you think you're going to need something by the time you get out, but you don't want to spend the money for it, I always tell people, get in D&D Learn. Get in your online learning portal. Take as many courses as you can whether they're hard skill, whether they're soft skill, whether it's either, it doesn't matter. Just go nuts, blast through them. Yeah, you might have to do it on your evenings, on your weekends, on your leave days. A, you have to pay for them on Civvy Street. B, if you can even find some of those specific ones on Civvy Street. So even 12 months before you're getting out, even if it's two weeks before you're getting out, if you haven't thought about this, go through as many online courses as you can. It helps you. Okay, let's keep going. It surprises a lot of people that I always suggest to include a technology section, a dedicated tech section. You just simply list. You don't have to tell a story. Just use the software programs that you use, include them. Now, if you are vying for a tech position, whether it's government or the private sector, you're probably going to want to break this down into further subsections depending on your areas of technical expertise, such as security tools or software or hardware and peripherals, programming languages or operating sections. If you are somebody who is a tech person, I would pop in your tech section after the keyword section and before your job experience section. It should be on that top third or top half of page one, because that's going to be very important for people reading your resumes. Let's talk about a few sections that could be added. If you know three or more languages, and a lot of you do, I would give yourself a dedicated language section. And similar to the tech section, 
if that's your focus or if it's something, mm, geez, what if you're tech and trilingual? Personally, I'd put it after your keyword section and before your work experience. But if you're a tech person and you know three or more languages, your keyword section, I do tech. And then I would put your languages and then I'd start with your work experience section. It's advisable to give yourself this dedicated language section, but I would also, I wouldn't just leave it there. I would sprinkle the relevance of it, how you used it and leveraged throughout your resume. Remember our example about our bilingual infantry guy, how he would just translate on a day-to-day basis for people? I would use those types of examples. If you are applying for police or fire, and a lot of military people I know do shift over to these roles, I think it is smart to give yourself a dedicated physical conditioning section. Just simply list what you do. There's no sense in omitting this type of information if it's part of your lifestyle now. It could very well and will have to remain part of your lifestyle when you switch over to those types of emergency response positions. Most people don't think about this, so I think it makes sense to showcase it. Let's talk about a volunteerism, volunteer initiatives, or community investment type section. It could be added if it makes sense for police and fire. Again, of course, volunteerism is a must, so you might as well showcase it in these designated sections. If you're also looking to transition into a position that's a public-facing or political or high-profile, then again, it makes sense to add this section. But I would strongly suggest keep the content focused on relevant volunteer initiatives, such as perhaps board of directors or fundraising, you know, helping kids read at school. Although that's nice and that's important, it may not always be the best idea. So just really assess, does it make sense to include or not? For Just so you know, most people do not include the community, the volunteer stuff, because it, quite frankly, it just doesn't matter. Let's talk about an award section or formal recognition or honors. If you have space and if you're proud, sure, include it. I would only use these for senior or professional roles. If you're looking to work at a lower level, retail, hands-on, a trades capacity, I probably wouldn't bother. I can tell you over the years that in the blue-collar crowd, a lot of people find this pretentious to include. You can do it if you want. It's not always necessary. Well, it's not necessary ever, but I think there's a better appreciation for it at the higher levels. Here's the one that people uh, are usually surprised. In a Microsoft Word template, you know those cheesy things you can get online? And you can buy pre-formatted resume templates. I call them cheesy. I mean, in my field and people who generate documents from scratch, they're kind of like a cheat document. Anyway, you always see, or usually you see a hobby section. Hobbies. Nobody really cares what you do in your spare time. I'll tell you that for free. (laughs) Would you be listening to me right here, right now, if you cared that I enjoyed spending a lot of time with my two pugs? Or refinishing vintage furniture? Or making funny YouTube videos with my mom about our antique 
collection escapades. You don't care. I practically don't care. Uh, hobbies, nobody cares. Just don't do it. If something comes up during an interview, okay, sure, like, hey, Bob, how do you like to spend your spare time? Sure, have a couple of cool things ready to go. But I would not dedicate space on a resume for a hobby. Nobody cares. Let's keep moving along. What do you think of is the last phrase that people put on a resume? Again, you see these on those pre-canned templates. References available upon request. Don't use it. It's obvious. It's assumed. It doesn't add value. It's like at the end of a movie. The movie's over. The credits are rolling. And yet they still flash the end. Did they actually think you wouldn't get it? That it's the end of the movie? Here's an idea. Use two or three power words or a strong quote that summarizes who you are and what you're bringing to the table, what you stand for. Remember all those papers I told you to make sure you have, like your PERs? What if you were to pull out a nice quote from there and banner it across the bottom of your resume? Looks pretty cool. It's a nice way to finish it off. Or two or three or six partial quotes that really encapsulate whatever it is you want to focus on. Maybe it's your leadership. Maybe it's your you know, fiscal responsibility and ingenuity. Maybe it's your resourcefulness. Maybe it's your conflict resolution capabilities. Maybe it's your ability to connect with others or coach or guide or teach or instruct others. You have all of these documents. You have the best chronicled career out there. Make all of that stuff work for you. Go back and look through those things. I know you have good, amazing things in there. Again, in my book, my PDF book, Military to Civvy Street, almost every resume ends with either three power words that reflect who the candidate is, or I'm showing samples of quotes carefully pulled from PERs and represented in a stylistic element to go across the bottom of the resume. So let's talk about spelling and grammar. You've got your resume mapped out. Don't rely on spell check. Don't rely on grammar check. Things get missed. Have someone else proofread it. I'm going to suggest that for my Canadians, and I'm assuming most of you are Canadian, keep it Canadian spelling. There is a difference between Canadian and American UK spelling conventions. I know that the default software that the Canadian Armed Forces uses in their PER writing program, CFPAS, C-F-P-A-S, that's the personal, uh, personal evaluation program. I forget what the acronym is right now, but it doesn't matter. You folks know what the name of this program is. When you're writing your performance evaluations, that defaults for whatever reason to the British spelling pattern. But that's not what the Canadian press or higher education businesses and the rest of Canada uses. Canadian spelling is unique. It's an odd combination, actually, of American and British spelling. We are our own critters. So, for example, we follow the American convention with using Z in that we spell recognize, organize, analyze with a Z and not an S. 
I know in the software that the military uses, they use the S. You want to use it there, that's fine. I can't do anything about that. Don't use it anywhere else in Canada. We follow the British spelling with the O-U-R versus O-R situation. So we have the U in words like labor, favorite, and behavior. I have a list of websites that I've collected, and I would, I would list them here, but they change so frequently. I will be posting them after this podcast episode, and I usually post information after each podcast in my Audrey Prenzel Career Transition Services Facebook page. So you'll be able to find them there. And if you can't find it, always message me. And I can help you find it or something else. Generally, you just want to make sure your spelling is correct because otherwise you're indicating to the reader that you basically don't know your own country's spelling practices. And so the other issue is that when there are keyword searches from an HR personnel or recruiters, you want to make sure that the words you use align with Canadian spelling. Notwithstanding this, of course, you want to make sure the tricky words spell out exactly how they are in the job ads. So you don't want to be head of labor relations. You're not putting the U. They're putting the U. They're coding in for the O-U-R. Your document does not show up because you forgot to include the U. I have given you a lot of very detailed information here. Good on you if you have even attempted your own resume. Most people don't even try. But if you have, good for you. You are tackling, you are trying to produce the most difficult document in the careers world, that military to civilian career transition resume. That's why I wrote the book, because there wasn't one. There wasn't anything else for anyone to refer to in Canada. Congratulations for even trying. I want to thank you for tuning in. If you'd like a PDF copy of my book, Military to Civvy Street, you're welcome to e-transfer $20 to audrey.prenzel at gmail.com and I'll send you the link to download it. Although I'm not writing so much anymore, I am available for one-to-one coaching and advisement to help you achieve your career transition goals. Email me, audrey.prenzel at gmail.com. Of course, you're also welcome to follow me and message me on Instagram. I'm also on Twitter. Those tags are Audrey Prenzel. Until our next episode, life can be difficult. Purposefully, take good care of yourself. Music